0: Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle the... up. You got a boss.
1: Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer.
0: It's B Squared. Let's talk weather.
1: Welcome back to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bonnie in Oklahoma,
0: and I am Bobby in Oregon.
1: And we are here. It is March 31st, the last day of the month, the last day of Weather Podcast Month. Um, gonna close it out strong.
0: That's right, Bonnie, and we are excited for this episode. Uh, but you're right; this is the last Sunday in the month of March. It is the last episode of b squared as part of the initiative of national weather podcast month for 2019 uh it's been an exciting ride and if you've been following along you know that we're part of the group including the carolina weather group ice station houseman stormfront freaks weather brains and weather hype are the five other podcasts in addition to ours which make up the national weather podcast month um and if you need more information about it, obviously, you can go to weatherpodcastmonth.com or hop on social media, search the hashtag NWPM. But, Bonnie, it's been a lot of fun. We've learned a lot. And I'm kind of bummed that this is coming to an end today.
1: I know. Me too. But, you know, it's it's important we had this month. You know, we're trying to make a weather-prepared nation, more weather-aware, prepared nation more weather aware prepared And not scared, you know, so that's, that was the goal of this month. And so hopefully it's, it's reached some people and, and educated some people. Some is better than none.
0: That is true. And as part of the initiative, we've been airing these messages from James Spann, who's part of the Weather Brains podcast. And you've heard James talk about tornadoes and flooding. Well, now James wants to talk to us today about springtime thunderstorms. Hi, I'm James Spann with the Weather Brains podcast, and here's a message to get you weather ready. The spring season is here, and we want to prepare you for spring weather threats, which include thunderstorms. Remember, if you hear thunder or see a flash of lightning, seek shelter immediately. Fully enclosed buildings with wiring and plumbing are best. A hard-topped metal vehicle with the windows closed is also safe. Sheds, picnic shelters, tents, or covered porches do not protect you from lightning. For more information, please visit the NOAA Weather Ready Nation website at weather.gov/wrn.
1: All right. Well, that was James spann talking about those spring thunderstorms. Um, and you know, with spring thunderstorms, we always get um, the watches, the warnings, the advisories, the different outlooks from the Storm Prediction Center, and you know, I wanted to talk today about what all of those things mean because they can be really confusing and a lot of people don't completely understand them and don't know when to take action, when not to take action. And I mean, if it warrants any of those specific terms, then you should be prepared to take action. But some people just don't know when it's urgent and when it's just be alert. Um, so I just wanted to talk about some of those major things that we hear on a regular basis. Um, The first few being like advisory, watch and warning and what the difference in those, those three terms are. And an advisory is just kind of bringing attention to a specific weather event that can cause an impact, it can cause an inconvenience, it could cause damage if you're not, you know, just being alert, but it's not as intense as a watch or a warning, of course. And so, um, you know, with advisories, we get things like high wind advisory or, um, frost advisory, significant weather advisory, which is like just under, I would, to me is just under like a severe thunderstorm warning where it's pretty strong and Hey, you know, pay attention. There's a little bit of wind and some heavy rain kind of deal. Um, but I feel like advisory is one that can be kind of misunderstood and also ignored. So, I wanted to throw that in there.
0: So, Biden, real quick, when we talk advisories, you know, like you said, it's not a watch and a warning, and obviously we'll get into that here in a second. But it's more of the heads up, as you said. You know, the National Weather Service, their mission is, you know, for the protection of life and property, right? Um, and so you look at these things, and you're like, okay, an advisory, yeah, it, it's 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 uh, it's a heads up, right? It's not it's not serious. It's uh, eh, this just might make your day a little bit more difficult, right? Is that how they're basing this?
1: Yes, and like, here's a perfect example. When we get like a dense fog advisory, the fog itself is not gonna hurt anything. It's not going to hurt your property or you, but it's like, okay, you're heading out to work this morning. Be aware that there's dense fog. So when you're on the highway, don't be going 90 because you can't see very far. So you don't know when people are gonna be stopped. So it's just kind of, Be aware, slow down, don't do things as you normally would because there's an extra element out there today, but it's not one that's going to like blow your house down or something. So it's that kind of thing. It's significant enough to pay attention to, but it's not necessarily life-threatening unless you don't heed the precaution, and that's the issue. So. And that's why they try to bring it to the forefront using an advisory.
0: Gotcha. Okay, that makes total sense. Now, now that I've caught up with that, I understand the advisory better.
1: Yes. And so those are useful. But then, you know, we get those watches, which, you know, around here, we usually get a thunderstorm watch, tornado watch, or in the winter, we get ice storm, winter weather watch, blizzard watch, that kind of thing. But a watch just means all the ingredients are there. Okay. Um, You know, if it's just a thunderstorm watch, that's everything's there. It's severe thunderstorm. And when they issue a thunderstorm watch, it's not just, oh, thunderstorms, it's severe thunderstorms, which means the ingredients are present where if a storm gets going, it's going to produce high winds, hail, most likely. Now, if it's a tornado watch, it means it's going to be a severe thunderstorm, which is going to produce hail, high wind, but also the ingredient is there to get a tornado to spin up. And so the, for me, I've seen this on Twitter, so it's not something I came up with, but it, it's it's all the ingredients to make a cupcake are there on the counter, but they haven't come together yet to make a cupcake. But all the ingredients are present. So that's what the watch is for.
0: I, I love that analogy because you're right. Everything in the atmosphere is primed. The oven is preheated we've already greased you know the pan we've already mixed everything now we're just waiting on the result and the result might happen but it might not and it's you need to pay attention right Um, exactly you know it's funny out here in the pacific northwest we get a lot of watches and kind of the big bugaboo is like a winter storm watch right we know it's coming it's 48 hours to 24 hours in advance The ingredients could come together to create it or it could not. Um, And, you know, I I think especially for those of you that aren't active in the weather community, when you hear the word watch, I I think it kind of conjures this image of, Okay, it's already happening. Why, you know, why aren't we more serious? Or maybe it's not so serious that they're not taking immediate action, and maybe that might lead to some false, you know, senses of security in terms of, oh, well, it's just a watch. You know, it's it's really not that serious, um, and I think that's that's kind of dangerous when it comes to people analyzing what's happening, and you know, that's for me, that's kind of scary.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Like they get complacent. They go, oh, it's not a big deal. And it's like, no, it, it is a big deal when they issue a watch for anything. And especially in the springtime. And I've talked to people who are like, I don't know why they skip right to tornado watch. Why don't they, you know, escalate it starting with thunderstorm watch, thunderstorm warning, tornado watch, tornado warning. And I'm like, it's because those aren't, that has nothing to do with each other basically. Right. Like it it's, it's not, it's not like an escalation system like that. It's, I mean, because you could get a tornado warning in a thunderstorm watch. So it's, sure. they, they aren't related. It's just, there are times when the weather is severe enough, but they there's really not much of a chance of tornadoes. So they're not going to put a tornado watch. doesn't mean it can't happen. Right. But it's just more likely that it's going to be a hail and wind type situation than a significant tornado type day. Right. You know? and, then, oh, and then there's PDS tornado watch. That's a whole other category that doesn't get issued very often. We've had a few around here in Oklahoma the past, over the past several years, we've had a couple issued and that is crazy. But then we've had particularly dangerous tornado days in a regular tornado watch. So, you know, it really, mother nature does not care what watch has been issued or not issued and where the lines are drawn on the map. Mother nature just does what it does. We're just trying to, as best we can, pick out where it's going to happen in what type of area so people can just be alert be on their toes make plans to get kids out of school early or leave work early or get to the grocery store to get what they need whatever so that's the point so when people you know that's what the point of the watches and the warnings are
0: right Um, and I know that we're gonna talk about warnings here in just a second when you look at the scale though And, you know, this might be a better question. And matter of fact, we'll get to this question here after, you know, after you finish the warning with that briefing. But I'm just going to ask you this now. So be thinking about it. When you look at the scale from advisory to watch and then a warning in your mind, does it do a good enough job or is it something need to change? So we can address that here in a second. But go ahead and run down what the warning is, because I think that's the one that I think when people hear that, I hope they heed and they take notice.
1: Definitely. And, you know, just to touch on what you said, warning, I think is a good word because that is like, you know, to me, when I hear warning, I see the flashing light, like, you know, hey, warning, warning, danger, danger, alert, alert kind of thing. So warning is a good word and warning means it's, it's happening or it is about to happen. Like the, it's rotating, the wall cloud is lowering, there's a funnel, that kind of thing. There's a hook echo, whatever, like it is imminent. The ingredients for the cupcake are coming together. It's just about done in the oven and, you know, the show's about to start kind of thing. So warning is, it's going down. Things are happening and a warning needs to be paid attention to all the time, whether it's high wind warning, flood warning, tornado warning, thunderstorm warning. If it wasn't a big deal, they wouldn't put a warning on it.
0: Do you think though that people maybe confuse that term warning like okay well you know it it must mean that it's happening but it's not happening to me right now.
1: I mean maybe yeah maybe warning is more like kind of almost along the same lines as watch like oh oh it's coming it's coming but it's not happening. I see what you're saying like maybe it needs to be a more urgent word or a more significant word, but what, what word would you think would work in place of warning?
0: You know, I, I, and this is a debate I've had internally along with other, you know, people and thing without, you know, screaming breaking news or happening now, I would hope the term warning registers a bell if you're out and about. And, you know, you made the point there, It's a hazardous weather event that's occurring or is imminent. That doesn't mean it's coming tomorrow. It means it's coming right now.
1: Yeah. You have minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, two minutes. Like it's not in the other, you know, it's not in the Texas panhandle headed into Oklahoma. Like it's here. It's in your backyard, basically.
0: That's why we had the advisory posted three days ago that this could be happening.
1: Exactly. That's why you've been in a watch all day long because the minute a storm pops up, it could possibly go severe, or you know, put out, put down a tornado kind of thing. And so, that's why usually, there, usually there's a watch. Sometimes there's not a watch ever, and that's because they're just expecting an isolated storm sure. here and there, you know. But it can still go severe. But if there's a watch issued hours prior to it actually starting, then that means be weather aware for the entire day, because once something starts, it will likely get a warning of some sort put on it. And that's why they try to kind of build it up through the day like that, using a watch to like get people's attention instead of waiting till last minute to get people's attention. And it still doesn't work. And so I think meteorologists, psychologists are still working and researching to figure out what words trigger people and what colors trigger people and what numbers trigger trigger people like what's the best way to get this information into people's heads so they take action and it's still not 100 percent figured out yet
0: you know it's funny there's a guy that um we follow on the b squared weather page uh he's a meteorologist but he's doing and I, i i'm kicking myself for not remembering his name so i know you're gonna listen to the show so please forgive me um but he's working with You know, people to dive into the psych, you know, the psychological aspects of weather and warning base, and as you said, colors and numbers, because that is fascinating. I mean, listen, we can sit there and we can scream till we're blue in the face, and there are times where a lot of us do. This is happening. This is happening. Be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. And still, there's loss of life and loss of property. And at the end of the day, you kick yourself because you're like, man. You know, if you'd only listen, um, you know, use the—it's—it's a great analogy and a great visual reference. Look at the scene in Twitter uh, in Twister, the very end. Jonas is driving down the street. Bill and Joe warn him, "Hey man, it's about to shift. It's growing. This tornado is, you know, going to basically cut you off." And he, you know, screams at him, "Get off the channel!" and turns the CB radio down. And you know, that's what a lot of weather people do on a daily basis, where we're screaming at people listen, we know what we're talking about. We're trying to keep you safe, and yet you just ignore it. And when something bad happens, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's kind of on you at this point.
1: Right. Like, I'm sorry we interrupted your golf tournament, but we need to get this information out. And, yeah, you're right. It's like you can do and say anything and everything in as many different ways as possible. But if somebody won't get off the couch or whatever to do what they need to do to protect themselves and their family and their property, then – we can't go door to door and make sure everyone's in their shelter. So if, if you're not going to heed the warning and the watch and the sirens and the cut-ins into your TV program, then what are you going to pay attention to? You know, I mean, some people have to learn the hard way, unfortunately. And I mean, you know, I, I had someone tell me today, I, I asked her, I was my friend, I was asking her, cause I was talking to her about this podcast and, she was asking me what we were going to talk about and everything. And so I asked her, I was like, what, what gets your attention during the spring? And one thing she said that I thought was interesting, she was like, when I am watching them break in with the weather things and updates, she's like, if the meteorologist on TV is starting to act concerned and worried and panicked, then it triggers me. It's kind of like when you're a kid and you see your parents Mm -hmm. get worried, it makes you worried just because your parent is. And so I was like, well, that makes sense. And I would agree with that. But most of the time they don't because they are trained not to, no matter how serious it is, they have to remain calm and present the information and keep people aware, but keep their composure at the same time. So that's not always the best way because it could be serious, but because of what their job is, they're remaining calm.
0: You know, it, so. it, it's funny you bring up that point. And again, we talked about the gentleman that does the studies. There's another lady that I follow on Twitter. Uh, she's a PhD candidate, already has it. And again, I'm sorry, I don't you know know these names off the top of my head. I have to go back and look at them. But same thing. Emotionless science and emotionless meteorology. Can have the adverse effect. You can have a guy that's like, you know, this is a pretty serious situation, and he's smiling and bubbly and fun, and hey, I'm just the goofy, you know, morning weather guy, right? But there's a reason why you have your chief meteorologist come in and handle this, or you actually have somebody that understands meteorology handle your breaking weather coverage, Um, because you're right, you know. There, but there are times I think, and I think your friend makes a very valid point. If they seem concerned they probably know what they're talking about and you know you should heed the warning and listen. And I'm not saying that you know TV stations should not employ non-degreed meteorologists or weather presenters or you know the super cute guy or girl that you know looks pretty on TV and shows you the forecast and uh, you know it's okay. There's a place for that and you know that formula works. But You're right. If somebody's concerned, chances are you probably should be concerned, too. Yeah. And I think putting that emotion back in is probably a good thing. And again, especially for you guys in Oklahoma City and uh, in the Midwest and on the East Coast, where you guys deal with this a lot more than I do out here on the West Coast. But if you put emotion into it, I mean, how many times have you watched... Uh, Gary England, for example, you know, pull his IFB out of his ear because his producer's talking to him in his ear. And he's like, you know what? Forget what they're telling me in my ear. This is what's happening. This is a situation you need to do X, Y, and Z right now. And yeah. people are like, okay, that makes sense. You know, we see it with James Spann when he's doing the coverage. And we see it with, you know, the folks on the Weather Channel. And you go through and you're just like, okay, okay these guys are showing the emotion. It's serious. They really do mean business. Maybe we should pay attention.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, I I know that we have some newscaster meteorologists here that uh, during certain events, they have, they have stopped or they have like left the screen for a minute to call their own personal family to be like, look, this is close to you. Um, We have some that are just naturally very enthusiastic and, always sound, I don't want to use the word excited, but excited, but that's just how they are. That's their personality. And so that's why listening to only that is not going to be the best option. However, it is a good indicator most of the time, but I've listened to weather podcasts where meteorologists and other stations in other States have said, you know, we've been hit by a tornado, but we stayed on the air. We got in our shelter, we left the radar up. So people watching could still see the radar at least, but we weren't on the air. We were off in our shelter. And so, I mean, the TV guys do such a good job and the storm chasers, especially because they are out in it. So listen to them because they're risking their life to make sure most of the time, I mean, sometimes they're not in the path of it, but most of the time they are putting themselves on the line to take care of people in their communities. So if they're doing that, heed the warning. Don't let them be doing this for no reason.
0: Exactly. I mean, it's totally the valid point. If, if, if if they're doing this to let you know that life or property is going to be damaged, pay attention.
1: Yeah. 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 they're not just doing it for fun. I mean, they are a little bit doing it for fun, but they are doing it to, to take care of the, yes. the state, the cities, the metro, the the outlying areas, the rural areas, like you know, so just you know, just just do what they say, please.
0: And you know, and you made you made the good point there. You know, we lay out the scale for you, right? It's an advisory, a watch, and a warning. It's going from you know, a general life to an adverse condition. To a more serious event in a watch and then it's occurring it's imminent it's a warning we have the scale in place for this reason so you hopefully are aware that okay we're giving you time and that's always the key here bonnie it's not it's not money it's not you know social economic status it's not where you live or where you don't it's time we're yes. giving we're giving you the heads up of it's coming everything's in the as you said it's the cupcakes and the ingredients are ready to go. We're ready to put it in the oven and boom, the timer has just gone off. It's happening. It's we're pulling it out of the oven. It's time to eat. It's time to chase. It's time to break into coverage. And yeah. that scale is in place for a reason. And we continue to you know tell people pay attention, pay attention, pay attention, And, you know, I I posed the question earlier. Do you think it's a good scale? I do. I really do. I believe when people hear the word an advisory, okay, more of a heads up, a watch, things are getting more serious, a warning, it's go time. Heed the warning, heed the advice, follow the scale. It's put there for a reason. It's there to help save your life. And, you know, I think we do a really good job of getting it out there. Could we do a, a much better job? Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. But I think what we have now is pretty good. I'm sure that there will be ways in the future that we will improve upon it. And I can't wait for that day because I really want to have the ability to see that and oh. know that, hey, you know, if my mom knows that we have a thunderstorm watch, awesome. I want my cousins to know that. And I want my, you know, friend down the street to know that. And how we disseminate that information is, is a, definitely a topic of discussion. But I think where we stand right now in 2019, I think the scale from advisory, watch, and warning is good.
1: Well, and then I think about what if it wasn't there? What if What if all it was was warning? So you were just going about your day. You had no idea it was a severe weather day. You're driving home. You're driving to pick up the kids. And you're listening to the radio. And it cuts in with tornado warning for your area. And you had no idea. And so when people are mad that, it's talked about three or four days out before the event actually happens. It's like, it's so you can start making preparations because if you're told five minutes before it's going to happen, how much more mad are you going to be? Right. So, you know, like that's a constant thing around here and that I've gotten into semi heated arguments with certain friends about it considered hype because it's being talked about three or four days out. And it's just like it, it's hard to win with people, but I have read where some studies say that three or four days out is the best five to seven days out. That's too, too much, too much time to start talking about it. And so it's, it's really hard to please everybody, but if you really think about it, wouldn't you rather know three or four days in advance than three or four minutes in advance?
0: Oh, absolutely. And so, you, you know, you bring up that point if we go and there are, listen, there are times where we go from no warning to a warning. OK, the conditions have escalated so much within a storm that you have to pop the warning. You just do. And I think at that point that might catch more people's immediate attention. But again, we go back to what I just said, it's time we're giving you time to prepare. Mm uh-huh. hmm. And, and that's
1: what it's all about yep. there's so many studies that and and statistics that are always talking about lead time lead time and that is like the huge battle is like trying to increase the lead time and it's it's hard sometimes but you know if people are prepared a few days in advance then when the warning is issued it's not such of a surprise and they know what to do they know where to go they have all their their kit ready or their your blankets and helmets or whatever you know ready to go instead of scrambling around while a tornado is like you know coming down their street
0: that's true that's true and again you know this is just one scale that we've talked about this is you know your official overall national weather service across the board all of them issue advisory watch, and warnings but there are other scales involved with this too and this again goes back to time and, you know, this is the one that you're way much more familiar with because we don't have the severe thunderstorms as often out here in the Northwest as you do. But, you know, you're going to dive into this next scale right now. And this is the one that I'm excited about because this is what I want to learn more about.
1: Yes. And this is the one the Storm Prediction Center uses. And I will say all the definitions I got for watch warning advisory came straight from the National Weather Service website. So this is how they define it and use it. And then these this scale, this outlook, severe weather outlook scale that the Storm Prediction Center uses, this information came directly from their website as well. Um, But you know, most of us, if not all of us, have seen the classic five levels that the Storm Prediction Center uses for their severe weather outlooks. And most of the time, they don't go very far out. They're going three-day outlooks. You know, they're not mm-hmm. 10-day outlook here. We're going to put a slight risk down. So they they don't go out too far, which I think is good. But they've got the, the five, and they're all colored. Um, you know, and that first one is marginal, which is the green. And, I mean, that really just means there's isolated severe possible. So it's not going to be a widespread, long-lived, huge-intensity type of event. But it means, hey, this area, there could be a thunderstorm here and there, and if one pops up, there is enough ingredients in the atmosphere that it could get pretty strong to severe. So, you know, pay attention. But it's not, like, the worst of the of the five, obviously. Okay. So, you know, but it's still, it's, I mean, if... Nothing was going to happen. They wouldn't put any kind of outlook there at all. So the fact that there's one there means, hey, you know, just just be aware. Something might happen. Just just know weather could happen on this day. Just, you know, keep, keep your eyes open, that you, kind of thing.
0: You bring up this point here, and I will say this. A lot of the, you know, weather geeks and meteorologists out here in the northwest, you know, we look at the SPC. You know, and more of it's, you know, out of jealousy for what you guys get in the plains. And I'm going to be totally (laughs) honest about that. But occasionally we get, you know, during the spring and the summer, um, some monsoonal moisture that will move up over the Cascades and it fires off some pretty intense thunderstorms. And, you know, we look at the SPC and they have a marginal, you know, a green shaded area with the, you know, the the directional arrow to indicate which way the storms would, you know, go if they do. And, you know, people look at that and I think for us out here in the Northwest, we see the word marginal. We don't think isolated severe. We just think there's a marginal chance for thunderstorms. I think the word severe is left out in our minds because we generally don't get that many severe thunderstorms, but it's one of those things that we do look at. And so, um, you know i it's important that we highlight that word severe there's isolated severe possible you're right. going to have it thunderstorms
1: means severe and, you know, it just it – really, they are all talking about intensity, long or short-lived, if they're widespread or not. But they all are talking about severe. But they also have that lighter green that they use sometimes, which just does mean run-of-the-mill thunderstorms. Maybe right. they get a little bit strong, but it just means thunderstorms. But that I don't see very often. That's one of those that might be highlighted out around a marginal shaded area, you know. Gotcha. so. But it's just the -the run-of-the-mill thunderstorms. Uh, To me, when I look at it, and I could be completely wrong, but it would be like if the storms form in this area, which are just under thunderstorms, as they move further east or northeast or whatever direction into this other area where the gradients are more favorable, that's where it becomes more of a marginal risk for severe weather, is those regular thunderstorms access those ingredients in the atmosphere. So, But maybe that's just in my head and how I look at it, but I think it sounds good.
0: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally with you there.
1: But then, you know, so after marginal, it moves up to the yellow, which is slight, which I, they've also numbered all these one, two, three, four, five. So marginal green one. So they have, I mean, cause they're trying to get everyone it, they're trying to reach everybody, you know, these people respond more to wording, these people respond more to colors, these people respond more to numbers on a scale, one, two, three, four, five, so they're trying to make it where it reaches everybody as much as possible, so slight is going to be yellow, so a little bit more of a pay attention color, and then it gets the, the two, and it's scattered severe, not still not widespread, but scattered, so polka dotted in a way, um, still short lived, isolated intense though. So maybe not every single storm goes severe. Some are going to, some are just going to get strong. But they're going to be. There's going to be a few more than just like in the marginal where there might be one or two. But I'll tell you, we have had a lot of pretty significant days that have just been in a slight. And most of the time, it's a slight. It doesn't get past the slight very often. I mean, it has obviously, but I mean, I see slight way more than I see any of the other levels of that scale. Absolutely. And so it really, and to me, I think the word slight itself is what throws people off and it, it puts them into a place of just like the word watch. Like it's not quite conveying The issue. And so the word slight, I just think maybe could be changed. However, I don't know what I would change it to.
0: Okay. But again, I think that's a discussion that we have once we go through the full scale here. And, you know, again, slight, marginal, people might not understand what that means. But with that said, we're still raising awareness, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if something wasn't going to happen, they would not have that scale at all. And they would not be saying this area is in a slight or marginal. So that, I mean, the fact that they're even issuing that outlook means that the ingredients are going to come together on this day. Yep. So pay attention. So then it moves up to enhanced, which this, this one and the next one, there's been a lot of debate about, but enhanced, which is orange. And it means, you know, numerous severe possible, more persistent. So a little bit longer lived And more widespread, a few more will be more intense and severe. Um, I have seen enhanced uh, several times as well. Um, You know, and that's pretty good to get into enhanced is, you know, okay. Their storm prediction center is confident. Like it's going to get, it's going to get dicey here with the enhanced, Um, you know, and the enhanced gets the three, but. Is this... Anytime I see slight, I start to pay attention. But if I see anything above a slight, I'm like, okay, th- today we need to pay attention.
0: Right. Is this where it, we've reached the enhanced level? Is that more where you're going to get the classic supercells really start to form?
1: Yes. Okay. Um, it, it, yeah, it would be. I mean, really, any of them, the supercell could form. But I think with the enhanced, that is, okay, we're going to have some pretty intense, classic, strong supercells. More tornadoes are likely this day. Because I feel like with this scale, they're not just talking about hail and wind. Like, this is significant tornado days. Of course, you know, they also have, and this gets way in depth, and I just want to touch on it, but they also have their their ratings they use for wind, hail, tornado, flooding parameters, you know, with the percents and the dashed lines and the hashed areas that, you know, but that's, sometimes that's a little bit above my head, above my pay grade. So that's not something that the general public would really need to look at or understand what they're looking at. But I mean, I feel like if they know, the Storm Prediction Center also breaks down all those individual elements of a severe thunderstorm as well to talk about the probability of each of those. Maybe it might make them feel better. You know what I mean? Like, sure. They're not just generalizing, oh hey, some severe storms over here. They're like, no, these severe storms will probably have this likelihood of putting down large hail but just only this likelihood of tornadoes or high likelihood of tornadoes not much hail or wind. or You know what I mean? So it's kind of like they are dissecting the atmosphere for that day. They're dissecting what's going to happen, what severe weather events specifically are going to be more likely as best they can. I mean, obviously no one can predict everything to a T, but as best they can. So they need to know storm prediction center weather service are working around the clock. Exactly. And that's especially during severe weather season. Right.
0: And again, they're all, they're there just for the fact to keep us safe. So, yes. you know, so that that answers my question. So yes, yeah, so if I'm looking at this and I see the orange, chances are we're going to see start to see the more classic supercells.
1: Yes, yes, and then you know as we move to the next one, which is number four, moderate, which is red, and this is where people are like, why does it go slight, enhanced, moderate? Why isn't it slight, moderate, enhanced? And I kind of agree, and not necessarily that those should be switched, but that those two words themselves are weird because the last one is high and so it's like I kind of feel like maybe enhanced needs to be under high and then moderate needs to come after slight.
0: Sure, and you know, let's let's debate the scale when we get done with this because I agree with you cuz you know, I could argue that the word enhanced is we've gone from a slight and now we've enhanced it a little bit, but yet it's still not, you know, a a marginal situation.
1: Yeah. Well. Okay. And when you say it that way, that makes sense. So, yeah. We we we'll get a good debate going here in just a second. Um. But yes. Yeah, so moderate is the red, um, which I have seen this a few times too. And I like just like enhanced when I see the moderate, the red, I go, oh my goodness, this is going to be legit. This is this is some action. Um. I I wish I would have looked on what our outlooks were for, um, May twenty thirteen. What for, for what those days are. And a part of me helps it was real low and to be like, look, it really doesn't matter necessarily. Like you can still get a pretty significant storm despite the outlook. But so red, that's more widespread, severe, long lived, really intense. So that means just about every storm that pops up and there's going to be several, they're all going to get real intense and severe pretty quick. And, you know, you need to be ready to go when those storms pop up, that it's not going to be a gradual thing. It's they're going to form and they're going to get intense and scary really quick.
0: Is this where we would start to talk about issuing a PDS?
1: Possibly. Um, But I would say that the outlook does not dictate that kind of watch and nor does that watch dictate the outlook.
0: Right. Um, Um, And let me let me jump in here real quick. So those of you that don't know what a PDS is, it's a particularly dangerous situation. And that is issued when SPC, along with guidance from National Weather Service, from NSSL, everybody that has a hand in, in you know, storm forecasting feels that, all right, this could be the day or this could be the event that triggers off massive tornadoes, lots of deaths, possibly lots of property damage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Exactly. They, Yeah, it's when we know there's going to be tornadoes, but not only do we know that, we know some of them could be EF3, EF4, EF5 type tornadoes. So this is particularly the ingredients are there. There's enough of all the ingredients needed to get a tornado and then to make that tornado very strong and intense. And I think it's a good watch. And I think what started getting that watch developed I wish I should have looked this up more, but was probably May 3rd, 1999. And I always forget to say 1999 because I forget, if you're not in Oklahoma, you might not know what May 3rd is. But May 3rd, 1999, huge EF5 hit more. uh, You know, classic, huge historical day. And I think that that kind of storm is what really prompted, okay, there might be times that we need stronger than a tornado watch and so they have the pds tornado watch and those happen every once in a while and when those come out i'm telling you the blood gets pumping around here for sure
0: that is you know that that just gives me chills listening to you talk about that um and you know may 3rd i'm I grew up in the northwest you know i grew up in oregon i'm six states away from you but you say may 3rd i know what you're talking about and, you know, for somebody that got to live through it, um, a lady that was my boss and I will consider until the day I die, one of my best bosses I've ever had the chance to work for. She lived in more Oklahoma. She grew up in Yukon and I believe lived in more at the time. And wow. so we talked about that and she remembers where she was that day and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm sitting here just getting chills on this because it's, you know, it's one of those days and events that you're just like, okay it has happened, you know, and it, it did happen. And, you know, like you said, you had the F5 go through and, um, you know, I don't think there was a I P I don't think PDS even existed at the time. Heck, I don't even think the enhanced Fujita scale existed in 99. Right.
1: I don't think so. Uh, yeah. And definitely not PDS. And, and honestly, I don't think these outlooks either. So, and these, like, like we said in the beginning, the outlooks were really intended for internal use only in the storm prediction center. And, there was only slight moderate high at the time, so it somehow leaked out to the public, but definitely May 3rd, 99, did not have all that, and I think that that storm is what prompted some restructuring of some of the scales and watches and things like that to be like, okay, because if nothing had ever happened like that, they would there would be no reason sure. to have it. And so since something had, then they were like, okay. And I, I should go back and research, and I will say there is some good TV news station, weather station coverage of that storm. And it is on YouTube. Yes, it is. And me being the dork that I am, have gone back several times. Because I was young. I was nine years old when it happened. Well, I was going to be nine. It was six days before my ninth birthday. So I was real young. Didn't have the zest for the weather that I have now. Was nowhere near it. But my mom put me and my sister in the closet anyways. Right. But... I was up more in, in Oklahoma City, kind of the northern side of Oklahoma City a little bit. Um, so, well, like the western northern side kind of. So we weren't really near it, but just because that one storm was happening doesn't mean other storms weren't going on. But anyways, sure. but I have gone back and, and watched some of that coverage. And it was, first of all, comparing the, the video quality and the chopper video quality compared to now is unbelievably different. So we should be so lucky that we have what we have right now with the technology, the clearer picture and everything, but they all did such a good job. And I love watching it because it's Gary England um, is the chief. David Payne is storm chasing. Steve Carano is storm chasing and Steve Carano is probably my hero. Hopefully we can get him on this podcast. He came to my fourth grade class I, we've talked about this several podcasts ago that he is one of my weather heroes for sure. And he now teaches at Rose State College and he teaches for meteorology to give a two-year meteorology degree there at Rose State College. And that's where I got my degree from. Love it. Love him. It's all great. But he was chasing. And so that is awesome to see him chase, knowing him now and graduating from his program and everything and just watching him. It's just, it's, it's, it, it all just moves me to my soul and I'm just like off topic right now, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's this passion I've and now. The spring is here. And so I'm just getting all excited about the spring weather.
0: <laughs> you know, I, and I don't blame you. I mean, you know, we have our, our weather heroes and, you know, I look up, you know, it's funny. Most of the chief meteorologists in the city of Portland have been here a long time. And you and I both know in, in the TV business, if you last more than three or four years, you're kind of considered a dinosaur. And I'm lucky that, you know, most of the chief meteorologists around here, with the exception of Natasha at the CBS affiliate, have been on air and been in Portland pretty much my entire lifetime, if not going on more than 25 years. So um, Mark Nelson, who's the chief at the Fox affiliate, has been on TV and in the Northwest, um, you know, pretty much his whole life. Matt Zafino, the Uh, KGW chief meteorologist, um, was the chief at ABC and then came over to, you know, the NBC affiliate and again, grew up on TV watching him. He's now a friend. Uh, he was also recently, uh, a guest on, I believe the weather brains podcast, uh, not too long ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to go back and watch this footage and I've watched it, you know, numerous times as well on YouTube. Uh, And you're right, as somebody that has, you know, I have a a degree in TV production, okay, I can point a camera at something and make it look pretty. (laughs) You know, I can create pretty graphics, and I can, you know, properly light a studio and a person and a show. And that's my background in, you know, the television world. But you're right, the difference between standard definition and high definition is completely night and day. Yes. And, you know, I will say this. I was going through college when they made the transition from SD to HD. And, you know, at the time I was working for a radio station that was owned by Paul Allen and who has now passed away. But Paul was the owner of the Portland Trailblazers, the co-founder of Microsoft. He launched a sports network called ASCN, Action Sports Network, and they were the first company on the West coast. And I believe at the time in the United States to have a full high definition produced television truck. Wow! And I walked into this thing and it was like, I won't say an orgasmic experience, but as somebody that, (laughs) you know, loves television, loves putting together, you know, quality pictures and sound and things that make up television and movies. My mind was blown. I mean, it was, it was night and day. It was like, I didn't need, you know, to basically put on a pair of glasses to make something look better. It was just, you know, when I open my eyes, this is what I see. And I'm now seeing that out of a camera and it's not dingy. It's not kind of grainy. It's not, you know, based on the quality of the tape it's being recorded on. It's actual like what I see. And that just to me was just mind blowing. And, you know, I love now watching coverage of, you know, the stations uh, in Oklahoma City and up and down the East Coast where you have your helicopter and Mm -hmm. you have, you know, your high definition uh, cameras. And it's just it, it really is night and day. Um, I know we gotta finish the scale and we've kind of gotten off topic, but that's okay. That's why we have the podcast. Is, you know, we we are weather geeks and we get to, you know, talk about that and we love sharing our passion with you guys. And, you know, this means a lot to us. We're trying to help educate you and we want you guys to be part of a weather ready nation. It's why we're a member of National Weather Podcast Month. We're trying to help you guys understand that there is information out there and we want to share it with you.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I'll be the first to admit that if you get me going on anything weather related, it, you're going to have to punch me in the face to get me to stop. Because once once it's unleashed, I can just go on forever. And I know I get on my friends' nerves and coworkers' nerves, but you know that's why I have this podcast. But you know, it, it, look, y'all are here. You chose to listen to this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, and we
0: appreciate that you did, so thank you.
1: Exactly, exactly. But we'll try to keep the tangents to a minimum. But, um but yes. So, you know, that coverage is there, um, as well as anytime there's a severe weather event going on, um, you can go and watch the live streaming of the coverage on any of our news stations' websites. And I've done it. I've gone on and watched James Spann cover severe weather in Alabama before. So definitely, if you're a geek like us and something's not happening in your area, chances are you can look up that news station and watch the live streaming online. So you can still be part of the action even though it's not happening in your backyard.
0: Right. And a perfect point of that is what happened to me yesterday. And I told you this before we started taping the podcast. Um, I have a bunch of friends in Nashville. I'm involved in country music through country radio and live venue stuff. And a lot of my friends in Nashville know I'm a weather geek. And so they've reached out to me numerous times. Hey, there's an elevated risk. Or, hey, there's a high risk or something of storms coming through the central Tennessee area. Would you mind keeping an eye out, you know, for for particularly, you know, dangerous events? I'm not saying a PDS, but just like, you know, if there's a lot of wind or rain or hail, would you just give us give us a heads up if you feel it's warranted? And so a friend of mine that works for uh, the Broken Bow Music Group, uh, the people that include uh, Jason Aldean and uh, Granger Smith, to name a few, Uh, a guy named Chris Loss, who is a a friend of mine who I've gotten to know in the years of working. He lives south of Nashville, and there have been times where I've called him in the middle of the night. Hey, man, there's a line of storms coming through. There's some rotation on the radar. Uh, just want to give you a quick heads up on it. I don't think you need to necessarily act and move your family into your lowest interior part of the house. But just a heads up. Yesterday, I'm hanging out with some family. I look at my radar. There's a tornado warning in Tennessee, just south of Nashville. I pulled up and my friend's house is in, in the warning box. Yeah. And, you know, I pulled the dual the dual screen and there's a rotation. It's evident. I click on the warning and storm spirals have spotted a funnel. I call Chris, hey man, FYI, just down the road, confirmed rotation, spotters haven't seen a funnel, I would recommend getting your family to the lowest interior part, I'm trying to track it out and see where this goes, you know, just a heads up, and immediately I'm grabbing another phone, pulling up and I want to say it's WRKN, forgive me if I'm butchering your call letters, one of the stations in Nashville, they're on breaking tv they have their meteorologist doing you know the same thing i am they're looking at the radar they're looking at the velocity scans they're doing it and they're timing it out you know how far is the storm going do we still have a tornado on the ground if there is one and so you're right you can pull up all this information it's available at your fingertips and you know it's a great way for people to pay attention and understand that severe weather's happening and you have the ability to follow along
1: Exactly. And you know, maybe it is beneficial for some people to watch coverage happening in other states so that they can watch and understand what's going on without being afraid at the same time because it's happening in their area. You know what I mean? So it might be a way to get used to it or understand the verbiage or the the formation of the storms and things like that. Because I know a lot of those meteorologists on TV try to educate as they go and, yep. you know, Like we were saying a couple of weeks ago on a podcast, David Payne is really good about explaining structure and why this happens or that happens or why this is why the storm died or this is why it formed. And like he tries to give that scientific background so that because for me, especially and a lot of people, if they understand why something's happening, it's less scary. You can understand it more and you're more at ease about it. And so, I mean, I'm that way, but not necessarily with weather, but just in general. If I understand why something is happening, then I have a better handle on it. So I think that that's really good too, is, is general education of the different weather things. But we digress again. <laughs> but I have the last the last um, level of the Storm Prediction Center scale is high, which is purple. Um, it's five. I have seen this a time or two also, and this is just. I mean. Usually, this is also a very small coverage area. It's not going to be a very big circle, oval, trapezoid shape. It's going to be pretty little. Um, but it is widespread, long-lived, and, and particularly intense. This is their verbiage was particularly intense. Um, so that word to me means it's going to be intense, but it's going to be more than intense. It's going to be extraordinarily intense. And something to pay attention to kind of a thing. Um, I mean, any any of them are, but re- I mean, if you get, if they issue a high, which is not going to happen two or three days out, I also want to point out, but if they, if it gets escalated to a high by the day of the event or 12 hours before the event or whatever, it, I mean, you know, you need to be thinking about, and I'm going to say this and maybe I shouldn't say this, but you need to be thinking about leaving work early, pulling the kids out of school early and i'm all i'm doing this assuming how it happens here which it likes to get going around three or three thirty sure and persist into the evening and overnight hours but i mean it can happen in the morning the other night friday night we had a severe thunderstorm watch issued at 12 midnight till i think it was 8 a.m saturday morning so i mean Things like this can happen at any time of day, but typically if you're going to get a high risk, severe weather, tornado watch, PDS tornado watch, it's going to be in the afternoon around here where the daytime heating has heated up the atmosphere and created an unstable atmosphere. The moisture has moved in. The dry line has moved in. It typically happens 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So if you're seeing this high risk and it's in your area, I would consider leaving work early pulling kids out of school, that kind of thing. So you are not out on the road anywhere. You are in your home where you know where your safe space is. Because I would hate to be at a gas station or at a Walmart and be like, I need to figure out where I need to go. I need to figure out what the safe place is in here. So if you're at home, you know where your safe place is. So that would be my thinking. And I know it's hard. You can't always get off work. I've tried to get off work earlier, call in on bad days, and they won't let me and then end up closing work early due to that bad weather I tried to call in for, but whatever, I'm not going to get into (laughs) that. You're not bitter. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I'm not salty at all. Um, but you know, I know it's easier said than done in some cases, but especially if they're giving you that two, three, four days outlook, something to pay attention to. And maybe the day before, try to be like, you know, tomorrow I want to use some of my vacation hours and leave at noon or whatever. So if you see that high, that's definitely a you need to be on your toes. You need to be ready to move at a moment's notice kind of thing, because if the storm gets going, it's going to get intense and it's going to get intense quickly. And this is going to be a widespread event. It's not going to be a here and there thunderstorm. It's going to be numerous all over the place, and they're all going to be pretty intense and severe.
0: And I, I would venture to guess here, this is a chance where in event a high is issued, you know, you're going to know about it. It's not going to be one of those things where just a couple people on the fringe of the weather community are talking about it on Twitter. You're going to to see everybody from Reed Timmer to David Payne to you and I to the Weather Channel to Cantori, Marciano, everybody involved in any type of weather will be talking about this.
1: Yes, for sure. And it will be all over social media. Yep. Um, the weather service in Norman here does really good about, they will put out YouTube videos on their YouTube page Yes, they will discussing in detail the when, the why, the how, leading up to the event, like three or four days each day leading up. They will be like, okay, here's what we're thinking for Friday. And then on Wednesday, okay. It's changed. Here's what we're thinking for Friday. And then on Thursday, here's what we're thinking for tomorrow. And then Friday they'll put one out. And then, you know, it's it's all history from there and whenever the event actually happens. So, I mean, it, the weather community, whether it's us enthusiasts – The professionals in the Storm Prediction Center and Weather Service, the professionals on TV, the the amateur storm chasers, professional storm chasers, everyone is doing everything possible to get the word out. And so it's still not making an impact on everybody. And so that is what this month is about. That's why these scales are in place. That's why the terms are used this way. The colors, the numbers, everything is to try everything in our power to convey to you The situation. So please try to heed these warnings and understand they're not just willy-nilly thrown about, like a lot of consideration, a lot of research, time, analyzing models and data goes into deciding, is it a slight? Is it an enhanced? Is it a watch? Is it a PDS watch? Like it is, it's, they don't just wake up and just pull out of a hat and go, I pulled out a thunderstorm watch, just issue a thunderstorm watch. Like it's, a lot of time and effort,
0: everything, everything really is calculated. And, you know, we talk about the scale and there's a lot of information here. Um, We'll post the scale on our Facebook page and we will give you that here in a second. Uh, You know, let's do it now. It's just facebook.com slash b squared weather. And we'll post, you know, a link to the National Weather Service where you can go through and read all this. But you said something that I want to go back and touch on real quick you said the severe weather outlook scale was not ever intended for public consumption, right?
1: Right. Um, and this is coming from, um, Rick Smith. He's the,
0: he's the MIC wow. isn't any of the meteorologists in charge of the Norman office.
1: He is the warning coordinator. Oh, he's
0: a WCM. Okay.
1: Yeah. 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 I was trying to think of his full title, um, here in Norman at the weather service. And so this came from him Um, This was something I heard him say. Actually, he's part of the Weather Brains podcast, and he said this on one of their podcasts. And so I wanted to pass it along through ours, so I'm kind of borrowing from their podcast. Thank you, Weather Brains. Um, He said that it initially started in the Storm Prediction Center, and it was for internal use only. So different departments, um, or however they have it split up there in the Weather Center and Storm Prediction Center, have it. They know and they can talk to each other, and they can all be on the same page. And it only started out as like a slight moderate high. It didn't have all these extra ones in there. How it got out into the public and how they started using it, I don't know if it, if TV meteorologists started. Because I know they have access to some of the weather service um, chat. Yes, here they do.
0: And so, if you have not, uh, for those of you that are not um, up to speed on this, there is a thing called NWS Chat. And it's a way that members of the media, uh, members of local emergency management and other people that need to relay, you know, life and death situation information can chat in real time with meteorologists in either your home office or any of the offices connected. And I've been in a number of NWS chat rooms um, during severe weather outbreaks and it is fascinating to just sit there and watch these meteorologists just talk back and forth and it's a great way for members of the media to pick up on um you know damage and stuff and you see it if you watch severe coverage on the weather channel any of your other local things they'll say oh my gosh this youtube video has just been posted um working to confirm that this is the actual tornado on the ground now and you know fya you know, ABC. D E F G all the way down the scale. And it's just fascinating to watch them go through and just talk. And there are some public viewing areas and windows that you can kind of watch this. Um, You can't ever interact with them on the public scale, but that does exist. Um, But yeah, if you want the full, you know, the full experience, you got to work in the media or work in emergency management to interact with these guys. But man, it is, it is a fascinating go around. If you have never sat in and actually watched a session happen, it's pretty cool.
1: And that's where I think that scale was kind of leaked out, is they were talking and they were like, look, we've, we're thinking about a slight. And then I think a TV meteorologist may have used that and incorporated that into their forecast and conveyed it to their gotcha. viewing area. And so maybe, and it just kind of leaked out. And I don't want to say leaked, like it was top secret information, oh, no, but no, no, it no. just kind of oozed out and people started using it. And so I think the storm prediction center was like, well, then maybe we should make something more formal and official and define these terms. If it's going to be used that way, they could just get ahead of it. And, you know, there's been a lot of times that like on Twitter and Facebook, some of our TV meteorologists will say tornado watch coming soon, thunderstorm watch coming soon. And I, for a while, I was like, "How do they know?" But it's got to be from that chat it is. where they are talking to them, and they're like, "We're going to issue this, but we're not issuing it till four or three thirty or whatever." Yeah. And so that it's almost like a a watch, watch like you know, like pre- we're about to get a watch, so just be prepared because it's about to be issued. Right. Like, it's,
0: it's, it's the weather tailgate party
1: yeah yeah like hey yep
0: get, we're getting ready i mean and again we're, we're making light of this and we're not we're, we're never trying to put in a bad light but we're having fun with it and you know you're right yeah. they'll sit there and they'll say you know and even the forecast discussions um you know when you dig down deep into them we'll say hey you know expect a tornado watch or a uh you know severe thunderstorm watch for this area and you know it will happen um there is a site on Twitter, and again, I'm, I'm my brain is Twitter dead today. It's just one of those days. But I want to say Iowa State does it. For each and every NWS office, there's a separate Twitter feed of watches, warnings, discussions, and public outlooks that are sent out from your office, from your local NWS office. Uh, and I follow the one in Portland, obviously, but there are one for everything. And it's really great because it will say, you know, boom. Severe Thunderstorm, watch. Here's the here are the coordinates. And it's basically the computer output of the guys drawing the polygons. And okay. it, it's fantastic. It's a great follow. I'll have to find it and then I'll retweet it on our account here, um, you know, in the next day or two. But it's a fantastic follow, so you know, again, it's people. You know, the communication is the key here, and I think NWS chat is a fantastic tool for members of the media. Like I said, uh, emergency managers, people that need to know and need to relay that information. Um, you know, elected officials and stuff. And so, it's it's really fascinating to watch. Yeah,
1: definitely. And you know, along with that, like you said, they draw out the polygon. Don't hang too much on those lines. Those lines are just this is the general area it could be just outside of it like it doesn't mean that if you are one foot on the north side of this line and you're not in the the box that does not mean you are in the clear and you should just go about your merry way like if you're in decent proximity like just just pay attention like you know because you just don't know but this is the general area because if they were if they if they didn't ever narrow it down then it would just be the whole country is in the box you know so it's They got to draw it and narrow it down a little bit, but just because you're not right in it or right in the center does not mean you shouldn't be weather aware and just be paying attention during the day. Right.
0: And I know that you want to get into this here in a little bit in terms of watches and warnings and how that is, you know, correlated and how that's created. But, you know, one thing that we talk about, you know, scale wise here is also, you know, something that's kind of something that puts a bone or a spur in my saddle to say. Bonnie, precip, participate, or probability of precipitation or a precipitation percentage.
1: Yes, and that is something that I think is not fully understood across the board. Um, And I'll tell you, it's actually an equation. Um, It's uh, probability of precipitation equals C times A, where C is the confidence that something will happen. Now, how C is calculated, I'm not sure. And then A is the percent of the area, the coverage area. It's the percent of that area that will receive measurable precipitation. So they multiply those two numbers together and they get a percent. And so the way it should be interpreted by the public is that the forecast is that there is a percent, an X percent chance that precipitation will occur at any given point in that area. So once they calculate the the, the probability of precipitation, then they kind of narrow it down to this area area's 40% chance. So in this area, there's a 40% chance that this area is going to see precipitation. So that is how it's calculated. And that's how it is conveyed to the public.
0: Right. And that's a scalable model, if I recall correctly. Right. Where you mentioned, you know, standing on one side of the street to another. Um, Every, you know, every forecast area or CWA county warning area is broken up into different zones. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for an example out here in the Pacific Northwest, I think there are gosh, the guys at the NWS office are going to mock me for this. Uh, I want to say there are seven different zones they forecast for. Um And so the coast obviously will have a different pop number than, say, the Inland Valley. And even in the Inland Valley, an area like around Portland is going to have a different pop percentage than, say, um, Forest Grove out at the base of the coast range where, you know, microclimates now get into this. But you're right. It's an area. It's a general broad brush of we have this opportunity to happen. So, you know, there's a 40, say, a 40 percent chance of showers. That means... That over this area, there is a 4 in 10 chance that you will see rain within this forecast period. Is that how I should interpret it, or is that not right?
1: Yes, yes. That is how that percentage is to be interpreted by the public and by us, that if you're within this general blob that says 40% or 70%, then that is the Percent chance that precipitation will occur somewhere in that blob.
0: Okay, perfect. So then I that was right. So okay, that makes more sense to me. So again, so folks, when you turn on the TV or you see on your iPhone, and we won't even get into iPhone weather today, just (laughs) that's a whole different ball game down the road. But you know, just for just for conversation's sake. Twenty percent chance, ten percent chance, thirty percent chance, ninety percent chance obviously the scale goes one to a hundred and you can pretty much figure out 10% chance. And eh, probably won't see much to 90%. It's pretty much going to be raining, you know, for most of the day. So that makes sense. And again, that's, I don't know if it's conveyed correctly enough, but when we look at it, it's definitely something that's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it is something that is misunderstood. And I think originally it was supposed to be, that 40% of this area is going to receive rain. But I think the way that they want to convey it to the public is the way we were saying it. And so it's a little bit of a confusing thing. And I'll just tell you right now, probability, statistics, that's a whole other level of math. When I'm more comfortable with calculus than I am with statistics, (laughs)
0: that
1: just tells you How much statistics blows, okay? It's garbage. It's for the birds. I don't care about it. And I know it's really important in meteorology, but when you beat calculus into my head and then you throw statistics at me, that's a whole other math and I can't do it.
0: Right. No, I feel you. I feel you there. Bonnie, you mentioned when we were talking about, you know, the polygons and the forecasters drawing the polygons, it might be a little confusing because a warning especially for tornado warnings, and I think I'm going to use them specifically here for this example because I think they're the most different um, – I'll, I'll take that back. i take that back. We'll use this for thunderstorms and then into tornadoes. When you draw the polygon, it includes up to several counties, correct?
1: Yes, and sometimes not even the whole county.
0: Correct. And so I think that's where people can kind of get um, – confused because again i'm using the northwest aspect of biggest things that we you know we see um when we get a winter storm warning it's set up for counties for the most part widespread set up for counties occasionally you'll get a winter storm warning for a zone within a county but it's still a pretty broad area however you get a severe thunderstorm warning or a tornado warning and all of a sudden you're blowing zones out and counties out and you're literally just, you know, freehanding a polygon. And again, I know there's a scientific method into that, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's a different thing. And so I think when we talked, you know, previously about watches and warning, some people are confused. But you're telling me that that's not necessarily the way it should be. Or what what am I missing here?
1: It, you know, uh... Growing up, I remember things were county-based, and the little maps, like, for instance, in the corner of the TV, like, when they weren't breaking in for coverage, they would have the little Oklahoma map in the corner with the colors, you know, these counties have the watch or the warning or the whatever, and so I think it used to be county-based, and so if there was something happening in a county, the warning or the watch or the advisory, whatever, was issued for the entire County and now warnings are more storm based. The, the issue, the overlap, the miscommunication with that is that weather radios, the iPhone weather alert system, which, like you said, we're not even going to get into that, the apps and the way they alert any app that you have, it's going to be county based. And so, I many times have been like, oh, there's a tornado warning or a severe thunderstorm warning for your. County, but it's happening in the Northeast corner. It's headed on on its way out of my county. So, and I'm down more on the West side in the middle. So it's nowhere near me. It's not even headed my direction. And so that is where for me, it doesn't bother me because I know to check, like it could possibly be my area or it could be a different area in the County. But normal, regular people who don't have seven different radar apps on their phone, (laughs) and follow every weather-related entity on Twitter, they're not going to know that that's possible. So they're just going to think, whoa, my county, tornado warning, that's me. Where is it? And then it doesn't even happen. And they get irritated. They feel upset that they were falsely scared and freaked out for no reason. And so that is where there's an issue because the warnings will be issued and a polygon will be drawn, like you said. But it'll be like a chunk of this county, a chunk of that county, and a chunk of that county. And then they'll put a direction
0: on it. Right. And, you know, it's funny. You hear the term CWA. It's a county warning area, right? Mm -hmm. So every National Weather Service office services a CWA, county warning area. And I'll use um, a perfect example. And We talked about this before we started taping the show today. Um, We get summertime thunderstorms that build off monsoonal moisture that moves up over the Cascade Mountains where you get your more natural instability. You have the air that rises up over the mountains. You get a little bit more lift, and boom, a garden-variety thunderstorm pops and becomes a severe thunderstorm. Hail, wind, lightning, every of the parameters are there, and they issue a severe thunderstorm warning. They draw a polygon box for that area that could be affected. However, when they draw that box, because it's in a county, it pops Mm -hmm. the county warning. So all of a sudden... I could be sitting in, um, you know, a part of Clackamas County, which extends from basically just south of Portland all the way to the crest of the Cascade Mountains. The storm could be right on the crest of the Cascades, but because it goes severe, that pops the county warning, and all of a sudden, everybody in the Portland metro area, their EAS goes off, and it's boom, severe thunderstorm for Clackamas County, affecting government camp and, you know, the hot springs and bob's corner store and you know xyz and it's 35 miles away from me yeah but because i'm a weather geek i'm like "Ooh, cool let's go chase but everybody else is you just cut into my favorite song or i'm trying to watch a sporting event and the eas goes off now this is just a pain in the butt and i mean it will happen multiple times in the life cycle but you know we talk about storms being based and I think there's a two level system here and I don't know if it's always the best or not. I think the jury's still out. I'd rather have everybody know that something's happening somewhere within the county, but is it a hindrance? And I think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier with this, you know, the psychology of weather. Mm -hmm. But
1: Well I think that until we can get phones, radios And everything to sync up with the polygon that's drawn, it's going to be the whole county. And I think that you're right. Better more people know than not enough people know. Right. And, you know, sorry it inconveniences you. Sorry it, you know, interrupted your nap or whatever. But it's, you know. Days of our life
0: will never be the same without my polygon warning. I'm just letting you know that right now. If I get another ESU days of my life, I might just lose it.
1: Exactly. I have been the
0: one on the receiving end of that exact phone call when I interned at the ABC affiliate here. So, yeah. Well, ma'am, I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) Right. My bad. My bad.
0: But, you know, you you do make the point. Watches and warnings are based on a county area and then more specific storm warnings. And I think this is where people uh, kind of have an issue with, you know, what are you talking about? I think individual storms are great to have a polygon box and Uh area drill, you know, drawn a map representing the areas of where the most severe action will be. But when you think of overall other warnings, okay, then, you know, it's kind of spread out. So, I mean, like I said, there's a two tier system here where, you know, storms will get their own little special warnings and special polygons, more blanket wide discussions a severe thunderstorm watch or a PDS or, um, you know, a winter storm warning or a winter storm watch or any of the others that are issued like that are on that county level. And I can tell you there are times where, you know, you look at um, and I I can use, you know, central Oklahoma or I can use the Pacific, uh, the Northwest or the Willamette Valley where I live. Um, this, there's a city called Vancouver, Washington, and they're like, oh, we're Vancouver, USA, not British Columbia and Canada, but Vancouver, USA. They're right across <laughs> the Columbia River from downtown Portland. They're mm-hmm. part of the Portland metro area. However, there are several times where the National Weather Service in Portland will put every county south of the Columbia River into a watch or warning. And yet Vancouver sits in Clark County, Washington, still in the CWA for the Portland office. But they're not watched or highlighted or warned. And I can tell you, my friends in Vancouver get pretty pissed because it's like, what? We're not good enough. We're going to get the same weather you are. But it's just one of those things where, again, it's the difference of a line, right? It's not yeah. a it's not a defined moment. And that's where I think it can kind of get a little sketchy. Yeah. But it also depends. I mean, and again, I trust the National Weather Service forecasters. They know what they're doing. So. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's just like with watches, you know, they draw that general large box that's going to cut through counties and cut counties in half or just take the small corner of a county. But I feel like when it comes to a watch, so you include a county that's barely in the polygon you drew. Who cares? But when it comes to the warning, that might be where it confuses people and – makes people mad and gets people on alert that don't need to be but like you were saying who cares more people know than less people so i mean doesn't need to be that big of a deal but then the problem that it creates is people's phone go off enough times and it's not affecting them that they stop listening it's kind of like the right. boy who cried wolf situation so but like the the issue is getting phones weather radios and everything to sync up to that polygon that's drawn. Right. So that's where the science I you know, I would think they're working on it, but who knows? But I mean that's that's what needs to be changed if we want to make phones and weather radios cooperate. Sure.
0: And I will tell you this, there are technologies in place that would allow that to happen. There's a thing called geofencing. And mm-hmm. this technology exists, and I've used it in the world of radio streaming, and especially when it comes to radio streaming rights in regards to sports. Because guess what? When you sell advertising, you want people to hear your ads. And when you geofence something, you are basically limiting those from the outside from hearing what you're broadcasting. Um, an example, and I'm going to use this uh, real-world application that happened to me. The Portland Trail Blazers, um, you know, go Blazers. As much as you love your Oklahoma City Thunder, um, thunder app. right? The Portland Trail Blazers on their app allow you to stream their radio broadcasts. Okay, so if you go to the app and you're within 50 miles of where the Blazers play, your phone, in theory, will allow you to listen to the Blazer game. Anything oh. out that outside that 50 mile radius, you don't have access to the stream. I worked for the flagship station, so we were the ones that had the contract. I wanted the rights to stream our games on the iHeartRadio app, okay? Uh-huh. We at iHeart had the technology to also geofence, so we could have done it. We ran the test. We had the proof that it worked. The NBA came back and said, no, the Blazers are already going to stream it. Your guys aren't allowed to. Kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but hey, you know what? To each his own. But the technology does exist. The problem with that, though, is I believe that at that point it's based on the zip code of the cell tower. So you might be even say, you know, within however many miles a cell tower works and I don't I haven't gotten into the cell technology, all that whole heck of a lot. But with that said, you could probably get it pretty close to everybody in that area. But now you're looking at having to mine hundreds and thousands of pieces of additional data. And I yeah. don't know if, you know, one, the cell carriers can agree to do that or to the National Weather Service or whoever is responsible for disseminating that information would do it. I would rather have the blast alert go out, just me personally, to everybody in that county or close to that county because it's more of a, just a heads up. And it spurs a conversation and hopefully somebody will take that conversation and go look up the information. Oh, there's a severe thunderstorm somewhere in, say, Clackamas County or Oklahoma County or... You know, Billy Bob's uh, parish down in Louisiana. Okay. <laughs> I'd rather have everybody know that something's happening in that area versus somebody that might be just geofenced and saying, eh, okay, well, you know, apparently I'm in the area, but, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. Or somebody just outside of that, that supposed okay. polygon being geofenced and saying, okay, Well, you know what? I had no idea that five miles away or two miles away there was a big storm coming because my phone didn't chirp.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, and then that's going to be an issue if we're going to use the cell towers, you know. That will be an issue with each individual cell carrier and your individual cell phone and connecting to this tower because sometimes, like you said, I don't really know how cell networks work. But can't you be connected to a tower that's farther away from you when there could be one closer to you. I believe so. Yes. Yes. So it still might not be completely accurate. So, you know, that that's a whole other level of technology that we haven't really gotten to yet to where we can pinpoint people. And, you know, we've been trying to not bring it up, but I think that's what iPhone's been trying to do is if you're in the warning area, that's why your phone's going to go off. I'll tell you right now, my phone like never goes off. Right. From Apple, right. certain apps I have go off, but my iPhone does not. Right. So, um, yeah.
0: but again, I mean, it could be coming down to have you checked your your settings on your phone. You know, do you receive, True. you know, stuff? And I will say this, I've only received, gosh, and I, I take that back, I've never received a weather warning on my phone. I've had friends who were in Clackamas County, which is one of the counties that. Uh, Make up the area around Mount Hood and Mount Hood was put into a blizzard warning one afternoon. And it's like, again, it's one of those things where the weather up at 10,000 feet is much different than down the valley floor. We're getting like rain and snow in the Portland area and they pop a blizzard warning and all of a sudden everyone's like, oh my gosh, like what's happening? I'm like, well, this makes no sense whatsoever. And again, I know where to go to look up this information. And there was a blizzard warning issued for areas above 10,000 feet near Mount Hood. And I'm like, yeah, this doesn't affect us. But we all got it. So again, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. But again, how many times do I have to say it? Get a weather radio. Watch TV. Listen to a radio station. These people are all legally required to air certain warnings within a certain time period. Yeah, so. and
1: don't rely on the sirens. Those are not meant to wake you up, Correct. by the way. Those are meant to warn people who are outside that something is happening. It's true, you can hear it inside, but don't rely on that to wake you up in the middle of the night. Right. That's why you need to have a weather radio, or you need to have an app on your phone that will go off, and you need to have your phone volume on. So, you know, just a little side note there with the sirens. Right, and you
0: know, we look at that, and again, I just mentioned TV, right? and. Mm-hmm. People want viewers. TV station want viewers, and that leads to a whole different ballgame. We talk about the National Weather Service ratings and, you know, their advisories, their watches, their warnings. We talked about SPC with, you know, the category of thunderstorm strength. But, Bonnie, everybody wants in the game, right?
1: Yes. And all of our news stations here, which there's three four major ones and they all have their own different scales and one particular has a tornado scale from 0 to 10 which is a likelihood scale so 5 there's a 50% likelihood of tornadoes in this area that kind of thing okay and you know that's fine a lot of them use bar graphs and they'll have hail wind tornadoes and They'll have the bar graph go up to low, medium, high, depending on what they think for each one of those severe thunderstorm elements. And so, I mean, I appreciate what they're doing and that they're trying to make it simple for the public. But when this channel says this, this channel says this, this channel says this, the Weather Service says this, the Storm Prediction Center says this, it's like, I feel like that makes the urgency go down because you don't know which one means more urgent.
0: Sure. And... You know, as somebody that has worked in the industry, I'm going to tell you right now, it comes down to one thing. It's marketing. How many promos have you seen for Oklahoma News 9 and we're the weather authority and we are have the first alert Doppler aid and we have, you know, Skyhawk 7 and 18 Choppers and our own fleet of, you know, thunderstorm chasers. And, you know, we're going to throw in grandma's pie because it looks cool, right? Um, you don't even live here and you nailed it just now. <laughs> I mean, but, but again, it's marketing, right? And so that's what it boils down to. Um, and you're right, every, everybody does it a little bit differently. For those on the national scale, you had the Weather Channel. They have a TORCON, okay? It's a tornado condition index. It goes from, you know, 1 to 10. And, you know, I've watched enough of it to know that it's if they display a city, and let's use Oklahoma City, okay, tornado capital of the world. <laughs> if a TORCON comes Stop in, playing. right, <laughs> exactly. Or, you know, we could even say more. More is the capital of EF5s. OK, um, you know, they have a torcon value of five. That means within a 50 mile radius of Oklahoma City, there is a five in 10 chance, a 50 percent chance that a tornado will form. Not talking about strength indication, but that just a tornado will form. OK, I can see that being a valuable tool. It's not a National Weather Service product. It's based off of Greg Forbes experience in forecasting storms. And his time, you know, being in meteorology and knowing what he's talking about. So, okay, I see that. I would trust that. Just like I would trust any product that comes out of, you know, most Oklahoma TV stations. You guys know what you're talking about. But, yes. But I do think, though, that there is some issue in disseminating and creating your own product and not necessarily relying on the National Weather Service or the Storm Prediction Center. Is there a place for independent forecasts? Absolutely. Is the National Weather Service and severe, um, or the you know the SPC, are they the be all end all authority on storms? I'd like to think so, but other yeah. people disagree and say, well, maybe not. You know, maybe we have our own take on it, and that's fine too. But I think within you know the realm of what we look at here, you know, it's okay if somebody wants to go through and create a, I don't know, you know, a Torcon thing. I think it's great because I think it raises awareness, right?
1: Yes, and I would agree with that. Um, What would make me lean more towards let's just all kind of stick to the same is so that everyone's getting the same information across the board and it's not varying. But then, you know, the other thing is, a little bit I think that the the game is right now is who can predict tornadoes. And that is like, what? everyone's trying to figure out how to do is to predict them when, where, how strong. And so everyone's trying to figure out the technology to do that, come up with a scale to do that. You know, like we said, there was a certain weather company group, whatever that decided to say that there would be like 1,200 something tornadoes this season in the country. Right. Right. However you get that number, I don't know. So I just feel like that's the name of the game right now, as far as weather goes in the spring is, everyone trying to figure out how they can be the first ones to predict how and where tornadoes are going to be. And it's, it's like, you know, I get that. I get that that is important technology that we want developed, but it's not a game. It's not a contest. We're all doing the same thing. We're all trying to protect people and property across the country.
0: You know, something pops into my head. Oh wait, I know what it is. Jonas from Twister. He's in it for the money, not the science. Yeah. Okay. And again, we're not saying that anybody is in it for the money versus the science because you have to have the science base for it. However, it goes back to marketing. Okay. We all want to say that we're the first ones to do something. We're the best. We're the greatest. You know, we're number one X, Y, and Z. I'm going to tell you this right now. You talked about statistics blowing your mind. Look at TV and radio ratings. Oh, I can say I'm the number one anything because, say, I lead the demographic of men 18 to 34 from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and they all make over $100,000. I'm That's the leader in that demographic. Therefore, my station is number one.
1: Exactly. It's not a clear picture. Correct.
0: But, beca- but because I win one category of 1,000, I can mm-hmm. claim I'm number one. Yeah. And, you know, you can be Oklahoma's news leader or you can be the weather authority or you can be anything you want to be. That's great. And there are really smart people that do this for a living that create these brands and the brand awareness. Okay, You're still trying to do something that benefits the general public in the end. And I'm all for competition. I'm all for people wanting to do this. But you're right. I think sometimes the science needs to be there first before the money does. Because you have to be able to protect life first.
1: And when people start realizing you're just trying to be the first one to say there's a severe weather risk, or you're the first one to have this certain weather technology, or you have the most storm chasers, or whatever, when you start, when that's all you hear, people start to go, oh, that's what you're concerned with, is being first, being number one. Not with my actual safety. And so that's you know, could actually backfire, I would think. And it's just not a good look to me. And, you know, I know all of our TV meteorologists do a good job. And I love all of them and admire everything that they do. But you can definitely tell which ones are trying to be first when breaking weather news and saying, hey, there's going to be a severe weather risk on this day. I'm not naming names, I'm just not going to do it, but sure. there are some that you can tell that that is what they're trying to do, is be first, to say, hey, this day there's going to be severe weather.
0: Right. And, you know, again, I've I've come up in this industry for almost 20 years, and there are times where I've been told, we don't care if you get it right, we just want you on the air first. And there are other people who are like, we don't care if you are first, we just want you to get it right. The mm-hmm. fine line in this is always, we're the first ones to have it, and we're the first ones to have it Right. And again, I understand there are times where you are in a competition and you are under a contract and you are trying to get your name out there and you're trying to be important and you want to do it the right way. But sometimes you just have to take a step back and say, "Okay, what is everybody? What's the consensus? Because, listen, we all go to different places. And, you know, this goes back to. Uh, A previous podcast from a couple months ago where we talked about the number of people actually watching TV is dramatically down. Mm -hmm. We're now all competing for a smaller piece of the pie. And you know what? If you have it on first, congratulations. But within three or four minutes or an hour or two hours, depending on what you're talking about, most people will have it. And it doesn't really matter who's first. And I will say this. When you work in radio and TV, and I know James Spann would agree with this, and everybody that has worked in radio or TV, yeah, you want to be first. You want to be the best. You want to be able to claim that, okay, I did X, Y, and Z. But I think as terms of meteorologists, I'd rather know that I did the best job I could if I was first, great. But if I saved a life, even better.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, I mean, it's not always about being first. And it just it kind of bums me out sometimes because especially during big events when it's clear that that's what you're trying to do is be first. And, you know, like you said, not everyone's watching TV now. So there's a lot of other ways to get that. And, you know, one of our um, stations, one of the meteorologists will do Facebook live videos on his own from his house days leading up to the event. And, that's really cool. And I watch those a lot. I, they usually get taped in the morning. I'll go and watch it, the recorded version on Facebook, like on my lunch break and stuff. And I really, really like that. And, you know, that's really good. And it's, but it's only a few days leading up to the event. It's not a week out or five days out trying to say, Hey, watch this day, here comes severe weather. So it's just, you know, I know a lot of it's got to come from management and producers and things like that, you know, the ones that are in charge of managing the station, keeping it up and running and keeping the ratings up, you know, that's not on the chief meteorologist to do, but
0: correct. It's not.
1: So I don't know what kind of pressure they get from management, but I know that that has got to influence and it probably has a higher influence than the meteorologists themselves trying to say that they're first or be first, you know? Sure.
0: And again, it all goes back down into marketing. It's a marketing yeah. plan that says, we are this, we have these tools. This is why you need to trust us. By the way, Go back and look at them. How many of them say you're their friend, you're trusted, you know, we're number one. They're all little key phrases that have been tested and drummed into all of our heads to believe that they really are, ready for this, looking out for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. First alert. Yep.
0: First alert. We're looking out for you. This is, you know, we are your family and you trust us and, you know, we are trusted and you can rely on us and all the... Again, it's marketing. They do it really well. Everybody does it really well. But we watch, and, you know, it's it's a good thing. So, again, if we're relaying correct information, it's a good thing. What I don't like is people saying, well, here is what we believe. We're going out on a limb because this is what our gut feeling says. That's where the, the science gets sticky. That's where it can be kind of dangerous. And, you know, I think for, say, a snow event, Maybe not so much, but a tornado outbreak? Absolutely. And again, I think some people need to probably sit down with their warning coordination meteorologist or the meteorologist in charge of the National Weather Service office and say, hey, you know what? Here's what we're thinking. Here's what we're doing. I love when National Weather Service offices do their YouTube videos. I find it absolutely fascinating because they're relaying information to the public. That's not a slam on a TV meteorologist. That is not a slam. On a private forecasting service, it's not a slam on anybody. It's the National Weather Service doing their job, fulfilling their mission to protect life and property.
1: Yes, and they are keeping it short and simple. They've got their good graphics they use. They get the timing laid out, and then they stop. But I will say, the meteorologist I was talking about who does his Facebook Live videos leading up to an event, one thing he does sometimes that I do really like is... He kind of um, bites back and he defends meteorology and his staff especially, and he will say, look, this panned out just like I said it would. This happened just like I said it would. Remember, sometimes it comes off a little bit cocky, but I think the point is, is there so much flack for when they get it wrong that he's like, look – look, we got it right. Look, we got it right. And I, I kind of, I like that a little bit despite the cockiness that it kind of puts out there. But I think it's good to point out to people because people only know when you mess up. Right. And so I like that he kind of gets a little sassy. You know what, I, like that.
0: I know that we've said it on this podcast and I know that all five other of the podcasts here, you know, that are part of the national, um, weather podcast month have said it, you know what? Nobody remembers us when we nail the forecast Mm-hmm. They only, you know, basically jab us or stab us when we do it. Oh, I can't believe that you guys work in a job where you get paid to be wrong fifty percent of the time. You know, many times I uh, wanna like, you know, just yell the F word at them?
1: Right. They it's, have it's It's people who are uneducated saying that, you yeah. know, and I'm sorry if you're one of those listening to this podcast, but that is an uneducated thing to say. Because if you don't understand the science behind it, then you don't need to comment on how difficult or easy it should be.
0: Exactly. There's, there's just no reason to do it. And, you know, but again, it goes back to what, you know, we were also talking about. What's the public perception and what's the, you know, how do we relay that information that makes the most effective use of the information? And, you know, I think that's really what it boils down to is how do we make the public pay attention?
1: Yeah. And it, and the research is still being done and weather brains has a psychologist on all the time. And they talk a lot about how do we get the public's attention? How do we make them take action and get up and move? And they are still, you know, doing research on, on everything, colors, numbers, wording, how many days out an outlook is too far or too soon. Like it's everything they are doing research on. And so we, you know, want to know what you think, our listeners, and we want you to go to our Twitter and our Facebook and let us know what, what words, or is it colors, or is it a number scale system? What makes you take action? What gets your attention? What makes you stop and go, oh, this is serious. We want to hear from you. So please go to our Facebook, our Twitter, Instagram, and, and tell us, just tell us what, what works for you.
0: Exactly. And I mean, I think that's really what it boils down to is what is going to make you pay more attention if you're not. I mean, and we're not talking to the, you know, the average weatherner that listens to our podcast or the other five members of, you know, the National Weather Podcast Month. We're talking to you, the general public. What what makes you pay attention? Is it a flashing light? Is it a certain color when you look at this? And, it, you know, it's it's you're right. It's a fantastic study on psychology because what in the end will make you pay the most attention because that's how your life's going to be saved ultimately in the end. If you know something's happening, you will have time to take action.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, so what is it? What kind of words make you stand up? What makes your, you know, what makes you take action? So whatever it is, we, we want to know. We're very curious. So please go let us know. Um, If we get enough responses, we'll discuss results on the next
0: absolutely and again for those of you that don't follow us on instagram and twitter we're at weather podcast it's as simple as we could make it i was actually surprised because of the number of weather podcasts out there that the (laughs) the name weather podcast was available so we took it great and then you find (laughs) us on facebook at b squared weather but yeah let us know what what spurs it because that's really kind of you know it's important we want to know we can help create a better system of alerting the public. And, you know, we've done a really good job of it this month. The other five shows have done a really good job of highlighting different ways that we can help create the Weather Ready Nation.
1: Yep. And that's the goal always, year round, year after year, is to be more aware, more prepared. And that's, that's the goal always. So keep listening and we'll keep informing.
0: Right. And, you know, speaking of informing, Bonnie, we got to get to our forecast. It's You know, we've had a really, really good discussion, and I'm glad that we took the time to do this the right way because it really is important.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So hopefully, you know, diving into the the meanings and definitions of the watches, warnings, and the different scales and stuff help you understand What it means when those are issued. So I hope this was helpful to everyone. But yes, let's let's discuss what's coming up. Um, For us, we are cold right now. We actually had a freeze warning early this morning which is ridiculous. That's just Oklahoma, severe weather one minute and the next minute we're freezing, but we're going to start warming back up. There's storm risk on Wednesday, but we're looking highs in the upper 60s, low 70s for a good most of the week, which I am ready for because I just got a fresh pedicure and I want to wear some sandals.
0: Well, hey, you know, you're lucky you would enjoy today out here in Oregon. It's 70 degrees But, Bonnie, we're going to turn the faucet back on. Temperatures are going to drop back into the lower 50s, and we have rain for probably the next five to six days. So the spring doldrums continue, and we'll just be in somewhat boring weather. But I'm very thankful the sun has been out the last couple of days. It's been pretty pretty. I know. There you go. There's a double meaning for you. It's been pretty pretty. (laughs) Classic. Yeah, Yeah, right. I'll take that. There's a new one for there's a new one for the park uh, podcast archives. Pretty pretty. Um, but it's funny because we talked about last week not knowing really what the forecast was going to be this week. And it it kind of did a Jekyll and Hyde where one day it was rainy and the next day it was pretty sunny. And it you know, it's just it was really weird to have these individual little waves come through. And it doesn't happen a lot here in the Pacific Northwest during the spring. So it was really kind of cool to see. But great day today. Outside is beautiful. Uh, but yeah, here comes the rain. Here comes the wind and all the fun.
1: I feel like this is the time of year when we're transitioning from one season to another, where it flip-flops back and forth from cold to nice, cold to nice until it finally gets like into spring. And for us, it's usually mid-April, late April before winter finally gives up. Like we, our last freeze usually happens somewhere in the month of April, typically in the first half. So we still have a couple more weeks to go, of some possible cold weather here and there. So we'll just see what happens, but I'm, I'm ready for it to be gone. Yeah, most of our
0: most of our cold weather here is ended by the time we get out of March. So I think we're pretty safe, removed from the freeze threat, unless we were somehow to get some Arctic outbreak. But that doesn't look likely at all, um, and it's pretty rare this time of year. So yeah, we're now in just the spring pattern of showers and you know a little bit of thunderstorms here and there, uh, sometimes when the you know ingredients uh, all come together. But uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for spring. I'm ready to summer. Bring on the storms.
1: Yes, yes, for sure. So we're getting into the exciting time here in Oklahoma. So please stay tuned because we will be covering it every week, dissecting whatever fun weather comes my way. So I'm ready. And, and watch the Twitter and Facebook for pictures because I live in Moore. So yes. we'll get some fun action out of it.
0: Yes, the new tornado capital of the world as we deemed earlier on the show. Well, Bonnie, go ahead and take us home.
1: Well, that was another great um, episode of B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. We'll be with you next week. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma.
0: And I am Bobby in Oregon.
1: And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.